Moncrief with Energlaze on News Talk. Now, the American broadcaster Tucker Carlson, formerly of Fox News, now has a show broadcast on X, formerly Twitter. He will shortly air an interview with a man called Larry Sinclair. Sinclair is a convicted fraudster who claims that when he was in college, he had sex with Barack Obama and that Obama smoked crack. He has provided no corroborating evidence to prove these claims. On this side of the Atlantic, such allegations wouldn't be published without a considerable amount of evidence to back them up. But in the US, it seems like he can say anything about anybody with impunity. Larry Donnelly is a law lecturer at the University of Galway. Afternoon, Larry. Good afternoon, Sean. Like, is the, the now a lot of the defence for when people make these kind of wild allegations about people is the First Amendment and it's free speech. Is it built into the First Amendment that you can say anything you like about anyone, or is it the way it's been interpreted by the courts? Yeah, broadly speaking, it is uh, the way it's been interpreted by the courts over many, many years. First Amendment jurisprudence is uh, quite liberal. It confers a near blanket protection on freedom of speech, so much so that there is that old maxim that you don't have the right to cry fire uh, in a crowded theater. Uh, If you look at the Supreme Court decisions, you'd arguably you would have the right to cry fire. Right. Okay. so and and This indeed might have a relevance to uh, forthcoming cases that you could use as a reasonable defense. Yes, I lied through my teeth. Yes. I mean, that's that's the reality. And one of the things about, you know, for instance, if you look at the uh, one of the indictments against President Trump with respect to January 6th at the outset, and although this is a slightly different context, it's wisely makes clear the point that. President Trump uh, had the right to go around saying that he won the election and the election results were fraudulent, even if he knew that was false, he still had the right to do so. So it's a little bit of a different context, but that does uh, indicate just how broad uh, free speech guarantee the free speech guarantee is in the United States. So, and and so, are, are, is there a, an extensive body of defamation law in either individual states or federally? There is, and look, you know, it happened. Most of this happens at the federal level, but uh, there's a seminal case called, uh, involving New York Times and Sullivan, and it may, the, in U.S. defamation law, there's this the distinction between public figures and private figures. And when it comes to a public figure, uh, to establish defamation, the standard is very, very high. That is, uh, the the publisher needs to know that the information was wholly or patently false or that it was published with reckless disregard for whether it was false or not. That is a very, very high standard. So if you look at uh, the body of defamation law in the United States, uh, what you'll find is an awful lot of unsuccessful uh, suits for defamation. You'll find, uh, you know, some that were successful, and you'll find an awful lot of cases where, to be frank, uh, the plaintiff had the goods uh, on the publisher. They had a very strong case. Yet still, because of the arc of Supreme Court precedent uh, on the issue, uh, cases were settled uh, for something considerably less in most instances than what the plaintiff would have been looking for. Yeah, so, because I suppose it's, it, can you, how, how do you go about proving that the publisher knew it wasn't true or they, they didn't care if it wasn't true or not? You'd, you'd, you'd almost need a kind of email exchange saying specifically that to prove the case. Yeah, you, you really need something close to, to a smoking gun. Uh, and as with here, uh, you know, truth uh, is an absolute defense. But also in the United States, uh, opinion 
uh, is an honest defense. And I'll juxtapose that with the, the standard here in Ireland. Uh, opinion is a defense in defamation, but it must be an honest opinion, whereas in the United States, it's opinion. Uh, and that's pretty ill-defined even by uh, the courts. So uh, someone can just say, well, that's what I thought. Uh, and, uh, and in many instances, uh, that can help form the defense uh, in a defamation suit. This, this kind of interview that Tucker Carlson is doing with his chap, Laurie Sinclair, say that the, the terrestrial broadcast networks in the state, are they governed by a code of conduct or something a bit stricter? Well, they, they would have to deal with the Federal Communications Commission, the FCC, uh, which is there. But if you look at what the FCC does, uh, I think one could only describe it as uh, light touch uh, in terms of regulation, most of uh, when we hear about the FCC, most of it has to do with things like uh, obscenity uh, and those sorts of things. So if you look at the last prominent time that the FCC came down, it was that infamous incident where Janet Jackson was dancing at the Super Bowl uh, and her nipple was revealed. Uh, so this is the kind of thing. So the FCC, by any stretch, uh, is light touch regulation. And again, that boils down to uh, the First Amendment. It should be said that the FCC used to have something, and listeners might be interested in this, it used to have something called the Fanis Doctrine. That is, uh, that on different issues, uh, there had to be both points of view presented uh, in a relatively neutral fashion. Uh, and outlets would have done that or in a wide variety of ways. That was undone, however, uh, by President Reagan uh, in 1987. And in some respects, that laid the ground for uh, the cable news networks and other outlets uh, that cover the news and cover current events in the United States in a fashion that many people on this side of the water find unconscionable. Yeah, so, but, but even that amount of light touch regulation, I assume, doesn't apply to the likes of Twitter or X. No, I, and you know, the, the reality in the United States, somebody put it very well recently, uh, is that when it comes to uh, the Internet, when it comes to online platforms, uh, we're living in the, you know, decades ago and there are no seatbelt laws. Uh, so effectively, you know, in terms of, you know, social media regulation in the United States, it remains something of the wild, wild west. Yeah. So it, what's the difference then between if you're a public figure and a private figure and, and your chances of suing someone for defamation? If you're a private figure, then it is more along the lines of a traditional negligence standard. OK, so it's a far lesser standard uh, in terms of establishing um, defamation or getting over the, the hurdles that are set by the courts. Uh, that having been said, even uh, in those instances, uh, the First Amendment still does, pro, you know, confer uh, very broad protection on speech. So, uh, you know, look, it's a tough road to hoe either way. But I would say uh, that it's exceedingly difficult uh, in the event uh, that one is a public figure. And of course, those are the cases of defamation uh, we hear about. I was only involved as a practicing lawyer. Uh, I was only involved in one uh, very trifling uh, case of defamation involving uh, a private figure. Uh, and effectively, I, I don't want to be too overly blunt about this, uh, but the judge almost chuckled uh, when the plaintiff's lawyer asserted it. So, it, again, it's a very difficult thing to establish in U.S. law. Yeah. So, but, but one would have thought, though, of the two revelations he's making, one is that he had sex with Obama, that the smoking crack when he was a senator is clearly breaking the law. Would that not even that not be considered perhaps defamation? Yes, I think that I think that 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 uh, that President Obama uh, would have a colorable case uh, or former President Obama would have a colorable case. The issue then becomes uh, who does he go after? 
uh, Larry Sinclair, who I should say is a disgrace to Larry's everywhere, uh, is uh, somebody who doesn't have, you know, any any money or any credibility or anything else. There's nothing to do there. Mm. Then when it comes to going after, uh, I suppose he could go after Tucker Carlson individually, someone who's uh, quite well off. Uh, but in terms of going after the publisher, as it were, you know, again, that's a, a matter of some dispute uh, going after X. Uh, again, there's a variety of case law and indeed there's a federal statute they would shield uh, X potentially from uh, liability in that event. But I think for a whole host of reasons, um, the possibility or the chances of, of Barack Obama uh, starting litigation on this front are very, 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 very small. Yeah, given it's it's happened so much and so often. At the, at the same time, though, Larry, you know, this kind of thing must have a toxifying effect. We know it has a toxifying effect on American politics. Does, like, who thinks it's a good idea to have the, the law the way it is now? Uh, I'd say very few people. I mean, I think if you ask Americans in a vacuum, uh, free speech would we would be one of the cornerstone values that they say defines our country and separates us from everyone else. When they see that taken to its extreme ends, however, uh, I think most Americans would take a very different view. Uh, and again, here's a place where arguably, you know, and with all due deference to the courts, where arguably the courts have taken this in quite a radical direction. And again, it's not just you know, when we think about the First Amendment and what it allows, it's not just in this instance, Sean, but we've talked before, we've spoken before about uh, the toxic influence of money mm-hmm. uh, on American politics. Look, the Supreme Court has decided in the context of politics in the United States, campaign contributions, that is money, uh, are, are entitled to First Amendment, they're the equivalent of speech, and they're entitled to First Amendment protection. So in every respect, um, when we take free speech to its absolute limits, uh, as we've seen in the United States, uh, there are some very, very negative consequences for the polity. Larry Donnelly is a law lecturer at the University of Galway. Larry, thanks a million. Thank you. A uh, few comments on that. Uh, Kevin says, sorry, I thought it was okay for men to have sex together now, uh, says Kevin. No, it is perfectly okay for men to have sex together now. I suppose the point is that the allegation on that part of it is that uh, uh, Barack Obama when he was married to Michelle Obama and was a U.S. Uh, senator, uh, was uh, having sex with a man. So uh, you're alleging uh, martial infidelity there, which might be defamatory. It's not the sex in itself that's uh, uh, that's the issue there. Uh, Owen says, uh, when, uh, when I lived in the United States, I listened to Howard Stern, who was always being fined by the FCC for the racy stuff he broadcast then went to satellite radio, uh, where uh, podcast rules are much lighter, says Owen. Well, I don't know. Are there any rules at all, uh, really? Uh, also, Mark checks in to say, what does Larry think of Crooked, uh, uh, Creepy, Sleepy Joe and Hunter? Which kind of underlines the point there, Mark, of, or, or perhaps part of the point of what we were talking about there, that it, it becomes not about what's true or not. It's just about what aboutery that uh, are, you know, this guy was crooked, but what about that guy being crooked? Now, you're, uh, Hunter Biden has been found guilty of crimes, hasn't he? Uh, um, and uh, I think there's some uh, negotiation or a pause there in terms of what kind of sentence uh, he might receive. He might receive. Yeah, uh, 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 Joe Biden's kind of sleepy and very old. You're right about that. But what's that got to do with what we were talking about? Because, you know, it, it's and what we were talking about was a, a situation that seems to have uh, um, prevailed in the United States where it doesn't matter if anything is true or not. It's just, you can just say it to just, if you can convince enough people it is true, doesn't matter if it's uh, it's true or not. You're just kind of throwing mud at the other side. And by the way, the, like this this fella, 
Now, uh, um, uh, Tucker Carlson claims uh, that this fella, uh, Larry Sinclair, has uh, signed an affidavit uh, uh, saying uh, for all these uh, allegations. Uh, and he also did a lie detector test and passed the lie detector test. Now, he, uh, he, he has signed an affidavit. Uh, he also signed an affidavit in 2004 claiming he was terminally ill. Uh, so uh, that that was 20 years ago, obviously um, not there. And he's done like he's been done several times uh, um, for various crimes and spent time in prison. Uh, and also, like he said that he did a lie detector test. He failed the lie detector test uh, in 2008 about these allegations uh, and then accused uh, Obama's then advisor, David Axelrod, of bribing the examiners uh, uh, to rig the results. So obviously a hugely trustworthy individual. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. with Anna Glaze on News Talk.